What is intelligent marketing strategy? The core of every marketing strategy lies in creating a positive brand perception. A brand that evokes emotions, resonates with people, and fosters a sense of connection is important. To create a truly diverse and inclusive marketing campaign, it is not enough to simply feature people from diverse backgrounds into your advertising. True inclusion involves understanding and connecting with your audience on a personal level. Cheta Chuka Okoli is a strategic communication and media relations specialist with the expertise and tools for helping brands connect with their target audience. To put your brand on the spotlight and unlock optimum turnover, contact Cheta on LinkedIn via the show's episode's notes and unlock the door to the target audience your brand needs. Welcome to Now You're Here. The newborn is called Ada, meaning first daughter. You see, in this part of the world, the name of a person is descriptive of a certain prestige among indigenous cultures and is significant in identifying what first impression parents, relatives, or the community at large may have thought about the newborn. A name may also carry a certain legacy a child may be expected to live up to. For Ada, her name is beautiful but simple. However, the course of her life saw the overcoming of many societal stereotypes as she fought to take her place in the world. She grew up to be quick-witted, responsible and highly industrious like her mother. The same is true for her sisters. But where Ada lacked in diplomacy, and exhibited fierceness like a grandmother, all to the benefit of her mother. Her sisters make up for it by being discreet and tactful. Without effort, they all earned their father's love. An all-inherent desire for a male child, promulgated by relatives, is soon quenched. But the union does not leave the girls without any scars. Their mother takes out her frustration on them, expecting more out of her daughters than is reasonably required of children. A toxic behavioral pattern that is acknowledged by all the neighbors but is denied by Nene. His second daughter is named Inkechiyere, meaning the one God gives, and the third daughter Obuneme, meaning I am not the one doing it. The proverbial saying in gratitude festers. It goes, which means those blessed with portable waste hardly know how to appreciate its use. As they grow, the seed of inadequate self-esteem is planted and watered in the girls. This and many other events in the lives of these women breed the formation of modern feminism theories and ideas. In time, the next relief comes. She births a son and the boy is named Ihanacho, which means my heart's desire. The sweet transfer of their mother's love incites the girls to nurture a certain hatred for their brother, who more than often times becomes the cause of them being chastised regularly. As long as he lives, he will continue to be their mother's golden boy, and the sole answer to our prayers until the most unfortunate happens. It is a Sunday afternoon. It is neither a school day nor a work day. 
aside from old rickety okadas and some going about their menial businesses like hawking fruits and herbs. The streets are quiet. And even quieter is this household. In fact, if anyone walked through the passage that divided the Face Me I Face You apartment, you could most certainly hear their footsteps. This grave silence is only because Nepal has brought light to this community. In other words, there is electricity in the homes of all tenants. It is the only thing capable of keeping every child focused on one particular thing at a time. Most parents try to relax, having spent the first five days of the week laboring to provide for their families, and the sixth day catching up with friends, relatives, and societal events. As for the children, once all their chores and routine have been completed, they are allowed to play with their mates. Yanacho, his friends, and all the other children of this household have chosen to watch TV at Francis' home. Francis had recently boasted to his friends of having in his possession a VHS cassette of a popular film which he recently borrowed from a friend. He intended to watch the movie with his friends today, hence the silence in this household. The movie's hero is a boy who spent most of his infant years growing up in the jungle and learned the ways of the animals. All the children are glued to the plot and no one makes a sound except for gasps from the movie's suspense. The next husband is home as well and since he does not own a television set, his energetic and fidgety son would not be found anywhere near the bedroom. He sees the opportunity like most men to get his much needed rest together with his wife. However, before Nene joined the husband, she tasked her girls to carry out some activities in preparation for dinner. An hour into the movie, the television went blank and the fridge in the parlor stopped humming. Nepa had taken delight, sending all the children into a hissing frenzy like snakes at their disappointment that they do not get to see the end of the movie. Within seconds, they disappear from Francis' parlor but there is still time to play. The children form groups and try out different games. As for Yanacho, he is bored of playing the same games he has played several times before now and he is desirous of a new adventure, something exciting. Inspired by the movie he had just seen, he suggests to six of his friends that they act out their favorite scenes from the movie. The idea is welcomed and his friends choose their roles. The role of the hero child who grew up in the wild fell on Francis. At first, Yanacho fights him for this, but eventually he succumbs to the argument that Francis was the owner of the television from which they had just been entertained, and without him and his parents being away, they would not have had the opportunity to see the movie, thus vesting in him the right to choose first. Ikena Another friend of the six played the role of the bear. His height and robust size make this fitting and no one contests this selection. Within seconds, all other prominent roles of the film are taken and the least interesting character falls on Ihanacho. Although he is disappointed, he humbly accepts his part and plays along, which is far better than not having any role. As time wore on, he manifested his dissatisfaction by encouraging his friends to join him on an adventure. He proposed that they go to the river where the environment was better suited for them to act out their roles. 
with plenty of trees they could climb. They could even play in the water by the riverbank. His friends visualized the idea and are excited about the prospect of doing this. But they are also nervous of the risk of them getting caught. Their parents had warned them of going to the river unsupervised. Ian Acho was no stranger to the warning, but it downplayed his fear, alleging that the worst that could happen was that he sustained minor scratches. Small cuts and scratches were not new to him. He had watched his own body heal from these several times. In time, all six of them were convinced that the phone outweighed the risk and embarked on the adventure. After all, their parents would never find out if no one said a word. Confirming that his parents were fast asleep, with his sister still busy in the kitchen, Ihan Acho and his friends snuck out of the backyard, through the passage, and out of the house, making their way to the river. There, he again challenged the role of hero, and finally gets it. After all, this adventure was his idea, and he led them all here. Even though Ihan Acho was not the best climber among them, except for Ikena, who is fat, and afraid of heights. He chose the tree. But that is not all. Of all the trees scattered about, he chose the one situated by the riverbed, with its branches spreading over the waters. His plan was to climb the tree, let out a loud savage cry, and dive into the river. Ikena is unsettled with this idea and tried to talk him out of it. It was enough risk that they were here without their parents' knowledge. Why climb the tree just so he could jump into the ever-flowing river when he could just wade at the riverbank and play in the waters? Jumping in the middle of the river would require him to actually swim through the river. Anikena was not confident of Ihana just swimming abilities. So he protested. Me, I don't want trouble, though. He said nervously, taking several steps back. But Ihana is stubborn. His mind is set on what he hoped to achieve. He teased Ikena of being a chicken. The latter, feeling insulted, responded, Mi amor dieo, and took a few more steps back. This shook the confidence of his friends, causing them to reconsider their decision. But Ianacho's eyes is full of desire, and nothing can change his mind. He did not come all this way for nothing. His pride caused him to climb high up into the tree, and on reaching one of its branches, and finding his balance, he called out to Ikena. See, nothing is going to happen, he said, as they moved on to another branch that extended directly above the flowing river. His friends become excited at the stunt and render applause. They hurriedly take off their clothes and set them on the grass, with two of them running toward the river bank and splashing some water at themselves. Francis also dismissed his clothes approached the tree and began to climb. Seeing everyone at ease, Ikena began to relax. But he does not move yet. Rather, he observes his friends and weighs his options, thinking that perhaps there could be a lot more fun out of this. But the excitement does not last long. Yanacho begins to take off his shirt and loses his balance, letting out a terrifying shriek that arrested his friend's attention. He attempts to grab onto something, anything, but his eyes spin 
as his vision is marred by the color of his t-shirt raised above his head and has masked his face, hindering his ability to manage his fall as he plunged downward with his back and his head crashing into a rock protruding out of the water. It all happened so fast. His friends are transfixed, shouting, Yay! As they watched in despair the tragic event unfolding before their eyes. Ikina bolted off, heading for Iyanacho's home to find help, but it is already too late. The river bled into a series of emotional events that cannot be put into words. The journey to moving on is terrific and the boy is eventually buried. Soon, everyone finds their way home out of this grief, but the mother is trapped in this maze that has no straightforward exit. Days turn into nights, weeks into months, and months fade into a year. She would forever remember the date her world came crashing, but her daughters do not leave her side. Her comfort is registered in her husband's rocking chair, which came to be known as the chair of grief. Once she sits in it, her eyes may be open, but her mind is oblivious to the world around her. All she sees in her head is the face of her precious boy and the image of the flame that once burned bright red, but has now turned blue. Every wall of her bedroom bore an inscription marked by her late son while he learned to read. Every baby steps or the sound of tender feet running. Every cry for help and every laughter of children reminded her of what she had lost, but her daughters never left her side. Gradually, the help lifted her out of her misery, but her pain never abates. She only learns to live with it. She is never the same. All the nights she had spent praying for a miracle child had come undone. At night, she called out in her dream the name of her golden boy, holding on to all the fond memories she had with him growing up. Many well-wishers bring comfort. However, the pastor of her church failed to ease her pain. He tells her her child has gone to be with the Lord. Her baby boy, being a special child, was better suited for the heavenly bodies than for the sufferings of this world and had been called home. An idea she found utterly stupid to logic and reason. And it truly is, but her daughters never leave her side. In time, her mother-in-law walked a lazy stride into the scene, near demanding that she birth another son to carry the family name. But just then, does the significance of the burning match make sense to her? She recognized now that her mother-in-law's time was up. She represented the flames that once burned brightly but had now turned blue. Now she refused to succumb to the desperate pressures of expectations. With the help of her daughters, Nene found the courage to live her life as freely as she could. She finally acknowledged that her daughters are just as worthy as any son or sons she could have. It is now her season, and her self-esteem begins to sprout from the unusually deep soil that had buried her seed. She made amends to her girls and apologized to them for mistreating them all those years and for being too weak to fight against societal stereotypes 
and false expectations. Her daughters welcomed their mother back to the land of the living and reaped the fruit of her newfound joy as Nene lived each day for herself and for the ones she loved. Thank you for listening through to the end of this special two-part episode. If you like this story, please show your support by subscribing to this podcast and follow me on my social media handles found in this show's episode notes. Tell a friend to tell a friend and see you next time. Or now you are here.